What's going on, Miss Fitz? This week, we're joined by comedian, writer, actor Cyrus McQueen, and we raise the question, how gullible are you? I mean, how are you swayed by public opinion and media in this day and age? And have you boycotted anything? Because that's been the call for every day since he's been in office. You know who I'm talking about, he who shall not be named. We're talking about keeping your sanity, keeping your senses, and not falling for the okie doke. You're listening to Social Misfit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit. With me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. Today, we're joined by Cyrus McQueen, a prolific tweeter and stand-up comedian. Uh, he and I go way back to some really skeevy open mic days in New York City. Yep. Um, some dark dungeons. Yep. Some basements. Some basements. And uh, <laughs> and he's doing so well. He's doing so well. And um, I'm so happy I get to have him on the podcast because um, he talks about something a lot that we all talk about, which is the um, Orange 45. <laughs> and you know what, though? That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, that's, that's my name for him. But it's weird because I... You t- you tweet about him a lot, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to get into your social media posts about that. Mm-hmm. But I find myself being a little bit more conscious about how I say things and how I like d- mention him mm-hmm. because now they're talking about like screening people's social media for things, and it it just turns Where'd into like at? well they're going to screen for people like all right. So if you are if you've been under a rock, you know they have this Muslim ban, which they say is not a Muslim ban, but they have been checking people's social media when they come into the country to see if they're saying anything negative about him. And then they ask him, they ask the people, "What do you feel about the president?" And they also ask pretty much people to take like a religious test to see if they're Christian or Muslim. Mm. So like I'm just thinking, you know, forward, mm-hmm. it it'll be one of those things where everybody is turning and pointing and like, well, that person's not patriotic, and this person is. In. It's like when somebody says anything about like the LGBT community right. and they dig into their social media going right, back right, 17 right, right, years. Right, right, right. You know, like, well, well, you was in junior high school. You scribbled this note that you said <laughs> all fags are gay. He was like, I was in the sixth grade. Don't matter. I found it. Right. It'll come back on you. Speaking of who has the time to go through someone's social media years back? Like who has the time? Well, it's so funny. I remember that one girl, although this is a different situation, that girl who got hired on SNL and they went back into the archives and found something she said about like black people or something. She's Mexican too. She said something about black people years ago yes. and they tried to use that against her, which was like, damn, it was like probably like 2010 or something. I was like, damn. Who has the time? <laughs> but see, so you've been, but see, you've been going in on Orange 45. So oh, like yeah, I've, been going on, I've been going on since, you know. I mean, if, if we you have ever, Black Forty Four, I've been going in. You ever? Uh, I love it. You ever uh, see Black Mirror and the episode yes. called um, um, "The Total History of You" or "The Complete History of You" or something like that? Yes. And so I feel like if you had to go back and delete all of your Orange Forty Five tweets, it'll be like six months of just blank space. <laughs> <laughs> I throw a few in there every now and again just to You're mix like, it up, but that's, a, that's not that bad. But it'll right. be like a whole omission of months worth of tweets. Right, right, right. Okay. Without further ado, Cyrus, please Thank read you, us. Your my tweet tweet the trending hashtag was boycott Starbucks because apparently Starbucks uh, agreed to hire something like 10,000 refugees um, and the rednecks started coming out the woodwork saying boycott Starbucks. So my tweet was uh, the white folks saying boycott Starbucks ain't the same white folks who go to Starbucks because I never heard Vente latte with soy for Bubba. 
Vente latte was sore for Bubba. <laughs> you ain't lying. Let me tell you something. Uh, those that demographic, Trump voters do not go to Starbucks. No, I travel that part of the country, and they go to um, Dunkin' Donuts, Waffle House, Waffle House, Piggly Wiggly, um, any gas station <laughs> that has donuts. They get coffee from there. I mean, they do have Starbucks there, but it's normally when I do see a Starbucks, it's normally the wives with the mm. daughters of mm. the kids that just came from some sort of dance, exactly. soccer. Uh, tumbling practice and then first of all i really i really feel like people should not be giving any kids starbucks is that just me i feel like why is a seven eight nine ten eleven twelve year old kid no definitely ordering not until you got papers to write that's that's a college thing coffee see and this is the thing we're gonna have a generation of kids who are super caffeinated (laughs) and if you already got add that makes it right 50 times worse because you're so used to having nicotine not nicotine caffeine in your system Mm -hmm. Caffeine really is a gateway drug. I think that's a true gateway drug. That's good. Speaking of caffeine, that tea is good. Oh, yeah. I made um some tea. So it's so funny. When I first came up with this podcast, I told people, and I would, I would hit them up. I was like, hey, I wouldn't have a podcast come to my house. I'll make tea. And no one's taking me up. You're the first person to take me up on my tea game. And you're Thank drinking you, it out of the Museum of African American History mug that I wore. Oh, you know? okay. Okay. Yes, you could have given it to me in some, you know. <laughs> I'd have taken styrofoam or something. But no, no I got to treat my guests okay, with, you know, okay. you want a little shot of uh, Cuban rum in there? You want a little? Oh, shit. You, ain't you do? But the thing, Mama, damn. Oh, I didn't go. realize it was going to get down like this. Oh, yeah, we got to get down. I didn't realize we was going to have a party up in here. That's a big shot. Oh, it's all I'll good. A little bit, but... Man. but um, speaking of Black Mirror, I would give anything for that first episode to unfold in this uh, current White House. Let me tell you something. I per- if you haven't the, seen the first episode the joint of with Black the pig. Girl, okay, I ain't gonna ruin it for you. Don't ruin it, but the you know, with the pig. Yeah, the first episode, season one of Black Mirror, it's a must watch. Must watch, absolutely. And I honestly believe that there is somebody is holding something over someone's head in this in this government as we speak, mm-hmm. because too many people are going along with this shit. Oh yeah, like I felt. I feel like the FBI director has definitely been blackmailed. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have been compromised. And then now they talk mm-hmm. about the dossier. There are things that have happened that people aren't even paying attention to because that one golden shower thing, people want to discredit the entire thing. Right, right, right. Now I read, I don't know if it's true, don't quote me, that the guy who came up with the dossier was found dead in his car. Yes, in Russia. In Russia. And let me tell you Which something. is the norm for a lot of, you know, people who go against the grain and, yes. and, and Putin's Yo, they kill Republic. people in Russia. Oh, like, yeah, they get dead. Yeah. It ain't, like, it ain't that whole, you know, United no. States, I'm just going to like no. give you the cold shoulder shit. It's like, no, I'm going to make sure you go away permanently. Yes. Uh, people don't remember this, but uh, an opponent of Putin was poisoned uh-huh. to death. Yes. Poison, like poison. absolutely poison. Yeah, there yeah. was another one who was shot. He actually, I'd seen him on Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, and he after the episode they did a little addendum, you know, over the screen, like such such, basically noting that he'd been shot and killed. Yeah, in Russia. Yeah. So um, when you talk for about speaking like, out against them, yeah. So when you talk about like how crazy can it be? Oh, it can get super crazy. But mm. it's super crazy that these people. It's super crazy to me that Trump supporters want to ban. Or boycott Starbucks because they have vowed to hire ten thousand refugees mm-hmm. over several years mm-hmm. in multiple countries. It's mm-hmm. not like they said ten thousand jobs in America. They said right. across the globe right. we want over to a hire period over years. a period of yeah. years that we want to hire refugees. And so to me, it's like, why are you getting upset? Because mm. clearly you don't want to work at Starbucks. Absolutely. That's the thing I always wanted to 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 get on people about when they say that they're taking our jobs. I'm like, okay. That argument only holds up if you can point to a specific person 
from a specific nationality who took your specific job. Otherwise, don't speak in generalities with me. It's like if you lost your job to somebody named Rafiq and it's because you was fucking up and he, and you know what I mean, he happened to, you know, get hired after you, then even then it would be a flawed argument. But even then, that's the only way that you could come at somebody for taking your job. Otherwise, don't speak in generalities because you weren't working. You wasn't, you know. Foaming no lattes and none of that shit know how. I can understand if they were upset if they said, we going to hire 10,000 refugees for coal mining jobs. Exactly. (laughs) Because that's that's the job. That seems to be the only job you care about. Or laying bricks or digging ditches or whatever the the hell, you know, uh, eighth grade education gets you. And so now somebody raised a good point on social media um, is that they feel because there's going to be a ban Mm. on quote-unquote illegals or anybody that doesn't have every single t crossed and i dotted they're gonna Mm -hmm. find every single reason to to negate your paperwork that you worked and paid so much money for in this country but you know what's even more fucked up though and if you thought about this like uh, and somebody highlighted this on cnn we're gonna have an educational glut in this country meaning we've got so many talented college students and Mm -hmm. young professionals who are coming here to study and to work and so now you sent a a shockwave throughout the international community so some of my best friends from college Muslim cats, cat's father, you know, is from Pakistan or whatever. And he was like first generation over here. Like they are, and he was a genius. Um, my friend Amit, he and people like him are going to be dis, you know, encouraged yeah, from coming yeah. to study in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so what does that say? They're going to go back over there. Like that little kid who made the clock in Texas mm-hmm. and his family was like, we out. Was, I think it was the a, the UAE was like, come on over yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to set you up. We're going to give your dad a job. You're gonna go, we're going to pay for all your education. Exactly. If you don't think that little boy is going to be the head of some military department to come mm-hmm. and fuck us up when the time comes in the next mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, you are sorely, mm-hmm. sorely mistaken. And the thing is, we haven't even really begun to contemplate the ramifications of, of what that order really is going to cause. Yeah. And just in terms of just our, our identity as a country where people thought of this as an option, a viable option for them in terms of I can I can start my family there, I can get an education there, mm-hmm. I can find work that you know actually pays me um, what I'm worth. Yeah. And we 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 I shudder to think of the ramifications because we won't yeah. even see it for a few years. Um, sort but see, of, this is the thing out. that people this is the thing that people don't realize. And I had a really good conversation. I, I, incidentally when I was coming back from Cuba with this gentleman, and I never talked to people mm-hmm. on the plane, but he and I talked the entire four hours back here and so we were talking about how people are radicalized and what people don't realize is that that it is a very long process to get into this country Mm -hmm. it is 18 to at least 24 months Mm -hmm. it's super 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 serious and they go through every branch of your family like they Mm -hmm. really do their due diligence and so what happens is we end up getting the best yeah. of the people to come into this country. Absolutely. And and sadly, the European countries don't have as strenuous of a process because they have open borders. So right. people can just like get on a plane, a boat, right. whatever. It's also geographically, geographically, yeah. It's it's closer to yeah. where they're coming from anyway. Yeah. So they can, you know, people get smuggled in and all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And so they're getting the people who are more radicalized and that's why they have more on site, on mm-hmm. their home territory terror attacks. Right. And we don't really have that here. And right. so the people who have come here are not those extremists. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there are people who are from here who have been radicalized. But just like, yeah, but you media. can look at them in the exact same thing yes. that you look at, you know, the young maladjusted white boy mm-hmm. who is into comic books and D&D yeah. and one day decides to shoot up his school. It's like a lot of people, people forget that America's oh, yeah. got enough homegrown terror. We don't need to worry about motherfuckers coming from anywhere else. It's like, you got to look at that kid who don't speak too much and sits by himself in the cafeteria because well, we got plenty of it here. Yeah, and that's the thing is that nobody wants to say that's what it is because as we are clearly seeing that this is all about white supremacy. 
see. Yeah, and it's trying to it's trying to uh, make a simplistic approach to a very complex problem, and it certainly is under the umbrella of yes. white supremacy, without a doubt. It is. It without is. a doubt. Yeah, and people don't realize that what you do and what you don't do, or what you say and what you don't say, especially in public spaces, public spaces implicates you mm. for going along with the bullshit. And Absolutely. so now, what is it Dante said the hottest hottest spot in hell is reserved for the indifferent in yes. times of crisis. Yes. And so there's a lot of people who have essentially, by silence, co-signed Trump's bullshit mm-hmm. and uh, his cabinet's bullshit. And I certainly, through the, the, the medium of Twitter and certainly with um, my time spent on stage, I do my best to speak truth to power and to, you know, uh, basically call a spade a spade, no pun intended. So how did you come to this decision? Because I've been grappling with this myself since mm-hmm. before Election Day. How did you come to the decision to use your platform to be so political? And did you ever have to sit back and think, what do I want my comedy to be? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be happy-go-lucky, mainstream, and, mm-hmm. and desirable by everybody? Or do I want to be my generation's Dick Gregory and not give a fuck? <laughs> well, I don't think that, I, I don't think that I, I made a conscious decision either way. I think it's really uh, a reflection of the person I've always been or the person that I... I I was socializing to being, you know, I came in from a really, you know, uh, I could say intellectual household. My mother put a, 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 a premium on books and learning. And so my history was always, you know, right in front of me. I, any book report I ever did, I could just look on the shelf and my mother had something pertaining to it. So mm-hmm. um, I like to say I was woke before it was even a term. You yeah. know, once I started reading Malcolm X when I was 12, way too young to really process it. <laughs> but uh, I, I got enough from it to, to, to you know, get me on my journey of, of you know, self-discovery and, and learning about black culture and black um, literature. Side note, um, isn't it interesting how 1984 and all these other dystopian oh, yeah. books are coming back into the Orwell, mainstream? Orwell hit, hit it on the head about, you know, just the fact that when we start questioning truth and we start questioning mm-hmm. what is, you know, a shared fact, that's when, you know, you could say the public becomes compromised in that regard. And certainly with somebody like Trump, his legitimacy has begun comp- be come compromised because he seems to play with the truth a little bit too much and so whereas you have a i wouldn't even say it's half the populace i'd say it's a it's a a significant sliver of the populace that believes his bullshit uh you've got a growing percentage of the populace i'd say more than half certainly is evidenced by the marches and the marches that are continuing and the marches that are probably happening today who you know recognize that you know in politics, you've got three components. You've got power, you've got legitimacy, and you've got authority. Mm-hmm. You know, as a president, he's got all three unless one of them is called into question. And if your legitimacy is called into question, then you compromise the other aspects of your governorship. So Trump, in many ways, has, uh, he says that, you know, questioning his his his, uh, uh, his his numbers at the inauguration would de- delegitimize him, but no, his own actions have delegitimized yeah, him. Yeah, and the interesting thing is I feel like the people who voted for him have tapped out of any conversation on day-to-day news. Mm. I don't think that I don't think that they are watching as closely as everybody else is. No. I think they're just happy that their guy won and they're not going to have anything to say until he does something that goes against something that they personally voted for him for. But I feel like he's already gone beyond the pale with, with you know, his executive orders and the chaos that he's he's sown and the blatant disrespect to just wide swaths of people the sweeping generalizations that he and bannon and sessions seem to operate with so i feel that malleable minds 
got him elected. And mm. so you're talking that a, a populace of people who who are anti-intellectualism, the people who are anti-knowledge in many ways. Yeah. And so I don't feel like you can necessarily persuade them saying, to what the truth like, is because they, yeah. they, they, they're, I wouldn't call it blissfully ignorant. They're just, you know, unwillingly. But I'm saying, I don't think that they are following the, the day-to-day headlines is what I'm saying. I no. think they tune into Fox News every oh, no. couple nights. Well, that's the one thing. You say you do a lot of shows in the South. That's one of the things that really boggled my mind when I visit my sister in Charlotte because she'll just turn on, she'll say, you got to listen to this. And like the talk radio is just fire brimstone oh, yeah. and doomsday mm-hmm. and, you know, the Muslims are coming to get us. And it's like, this is like just a dial on the radio. So folks, you know, my sister, of course, she grew up, you know, in the Northeast and she's woke, you know, as they come just as me, we came in the same household, came up. Um, but a lot of folks down there, that's their news. Yeah. Like straight up, like that's their news. And like gets, we watch. And it gets reiterated every Sunday in the pulpit because you have these, these, these spiritual leaders or mm-hmm. pastors or whatever who have become so politicized because they, it's everything, every, like it's come to my realization is that everything that everybody's doing is really just trying to keep their job. Yeah. Like people, like a pastor is not going to say anything for or against Trump because he's trying to keep that, mm. that, that. Which is kind of, which in many job. ways, like you, you know, coming back to your initial, you know, uh, question about, you know, do you ever worry about like, you know, um, essentially, I guess, you know, not rocking the boat, you yeah. know, as a comedian, any, any profession, you can easily go with the flow. Um, but I, I, I'm, I, I've never been wired that way. And there's really nothing to fear. Like you look at, as a, stu- a student of history, you look at what like your grandmother, or, like mm-hmm. my grandmother, has to come up with. It's like it ain't shit. No, no matter how bad Trump gets, yeah, it ain't nothing compared to you can't go there. You can't go there as a, as an African American. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that, and also you know, I guess feeding off of that integrity yeah. and that strength, I know that I do not have it in me to go with the flow and to not not say something. Well, clearly, it's yeah. resonated with people because you have a lot of followers, which is kind of like a big deal in our world, (laughs) you know? And so do you feel as though people, do you feel as though, do you see yourself arguing with a lot of people that come onto your timeline? The day after the election, I did. The day after the election, it was gloves off. So like I was going at everybody because typically, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, just about every tweet I have, which would be, you know, an anti-Trump tweet or a, um, you know, let's all look a little bit closer at the, you know, uh, the effects of racism in our society tweets. And um, my wall will just be lit up. N-word, you name it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's it's clear that these people don't follow us. They don't follow us, but they just, I guess they just have something in it. When anybody's, anybody black says anything about racism, they just get the little radar. They're they're just sitting there ready. They're like, I'm just sitting at the computer just waiting. (laughs) And they're just looking at the timeline, refreshing it. And they see something I say and they're just ready to go. Yeah. Um, For a while, I had had programmed a weekly tweet. Might have been daily. That said, um, um, if you vote for Trump, you're racist. And Mm. people were like, how can you say that? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, so how about this? If you vote for Trump, you're supporting racism. How Mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. But see, now the thing that people have used racism and being called a racist, it's become so diluted. And people don't understand. What's well, so funny? Difference. Racists try to use yes. that towards you, and you're just trying to explain racism. Yeah. I don't know how I could be racist, and don't that's a whole discussion for itself. Yeah, in its own time about how African Americans can't technically be racist because the definition of racism yeah. is using one's power to discriminate. But uh, no, no. So I look on my timeline. You know, uh, pretty racist thing to say. The thing about the, yeah. the tweet you just yeah. read. Uh, why are you such a crybaby? Uh, you aren't shocking anyone. You're attempting to insult me and you failed miserably. Well, so- My name is Bubba. <laughs> you know, it's people like just, just going in on me. And it's just like, I, it, it's, it's funny to me. It's actually funny. 
it's funny because they don't realize that they're not winning either. No. Like they like the day the day that his supporters realize that they are just as screwed mm-hmm. as everybody else yep. because they are not a part of the financial elite nope. in this country. Nope. I want to see videotape cover. Like I want to see mm-hmm. their faces. The crestfallen looks on yes. the on the people in the rust belt. Yep. Yes, it's I want to see it. And I do and I'm you know, I'm going on the road and I'm gonna be in the middle of the country for for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I saw the signs. I mean I literally saw the Trump signs for like the past year and a half. Oh yeah. And so I tried to tell So you people, knew that it was real. I, I knew that it was real that it was thing, a potential yeah. Yeah. I knew that I knew that it was real because I I see I see the um the economic disparities. So yeah. I'm I'm driving through farm towns, like yeah. just back to back farm town, farm town, farm town. Mm-hmm. You know, um, went to a farm and you know it's like a mom and her two like you know early late teen kids, mm-hmm. and you know she's like we got two cows and this is the farm like this is mm. the milk that we do and then we get paid this much and then and then the pigs look sick because they just don't have like they just don't have the infrastructure right, right. like that idea of a family farm is right. so changed right. by corporatization right you know i went to one place a couple years ago and it, and the girl that was hosting me she was taking me around and she was like yeah you know this is a big montecito town like all the people work here for montecito and during the summertime the kids work for montecito too and i was like what do the kids do it was like oh we climb into the machines and retrieve the seeds because they own the seeds if you're mm. caught with the seed which is they which they have like um, genetically engineered it's their mm. property it's their intellectual interesting, property interesting. and so if any farmer is caught with a seed that is a on, grain that a, that a big tiny tiny seed wow. they will be fined and they risk losing their contract with Montecito because am I saying it right Montecito Montecito you know what I'm talking about what state, what state is that no Montecito is the company that has all of the the grains and mm. shit for you know growing okay. stuff and so when you hear that you're like so you guys are pretty much enslaved to a corporation you can't even farm your own shit because these people are selling you the grains that Mm -hmm. you need to make corn to feed to the cow to get milk Mm -hmm. for what ice cream you know like it's a chain effect Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting because you know now that they're trying to ban hispanics and muslims and cheap labor somebody mentioned i had started talking about this earlier somebody mentioned that they're gonna go to prison labor Oh yeah, that's already the prison industrial complex is a real thing, oh, sister. Oh, it's going oh, yeah. to be reinforced. There are niggas are stitching panties up in Washington State right now for fucking Victoria's Secret. That's been a thing. Do you remember when um, it was a Whole Foods was like, "Oh, we're sorry, we didn't know that prisoners were uh, making our tilapia." Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. And so they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna find other resources." Now they're gonna be like, "We're gonna go back to that shit because it's cheap Man, as fuck." Man, please. It's like, look, you know, that's the, if anything, modern history could be shaped by the 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 lull between free labor until the inevitable day when they can get free labor again. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, everything is going to be um, machines. It's gonna be robots. Oh yeah. So- well, I told you. <sighs> <laughs> this is my new joke and I couldn't have, I couldn't have made this up. I fucking I'm scared for the future because the McDonald's on Utica, they replaced a couple of the cash registers with those new kiosks. Are you serious? At McDonald's McDonald's has this thing now where it's like new kiosks where you basically order from the kiosk and they're encouraging people to yeah. And so you know it's the crazy part. You know there's a person standing there next to it being like, can you please just, come on, feel free to use the Exactly, machine. as opposed to like, whereas before she would have been behind the register. But no, there was a sister 
and something had gone wrong with the order and she was screaming at the thing and the fucking manager had to come out and everything. She's like, no, I put in 20 piece on that bitch ass shit. <laughs> she was going off. And the man's like, no, miss, it says you're pushing four piece. She's like, why would I order a four piece when I got four kids? Hello. <laughs> and it's just like, it was like, it was a all hands on deck moment. It was crazy. I was like, this is the future. We're going to have black folks yelling at computers and kiosks. Oh, oh my god listen all i know is the day i walked into chase bank and they replaced some of the tellers with that new fancy huge ass flat screen oh my god and i'm like but why right. i see y'all back there right why do i have to say i could just go to the atm i right. came into the branch because right. i wanted to have a human experience when i never i for whatever reason i'm old school <laughs> that's why i guess i'm really old school i never <laughs> like depositing checks through the machine it's like something happened years ago, and I think it was because I fucked up and didn't write the right thing on the envelope. But for whatever reason, like I just, I just have it in me. Like I want, if I'm depositing a check, unless it's direct deposit, if I actually have a physical check, yeah. I like to hand it to a person and do it that way. I'm old school though. But now I just, I just deposit checks on my phone. I just take the picture of it. I do it at home. See, I don't trust that shit. I, it works. I do it now. You do it. My girl does that the, too. I don't have to She's go like, to the bank. <laughs> yeah, just take a picture and I'm done with it. I don't have to go to the bank. I have to stand in line. So you part of the problem. What are we talking about? You part Let of the problem. Let me tell you something though. I understand that I'm technologically <laughs> savvy and I'm willing to teach other people how to be technologically savvy, but I need people to stop asking for archaic ass caveman jobs back instead of asking for the government to pay for at least your associate's degree right. so you could get a job and right. learn how to do some other shit other than dig for fucking coal. And how amazing was it that that was Hillary Clinton's proposal and we've got essentially the polar opposite. Like this guy is not only going to not provide free college or at least associates two years programs for folks, but he's trying to like i don't know what's her name betsy, betsy devos is, is is you know the champion of charter schools and she's the head of education now and so it's going to be public school might even become a thing of the Wait, past is she officially I, I thought she was they had the senate had not a, a confirmed her nomination and they're going to present it to the larger senate right I believe so. Yeah. You very well may, may very well may be right yeah. on that because I know they're still airs, working on the the Jeff Sessions thing. But yeah. um, I mean, who's we got listening? the wrong woman basically? You know, heading education and oh, um, it's confirmed. I'm not having children. That like that. You know, it's it's it, you know you. First of all, I, I felt the same. Why. I felt the same way. Well, I've had the same meditation. You're in a relationship, so it's a little bit different. True. But for me, as a single woman, I'm not having kids for two reasons. One, I'm 36. Mm. Okay. And I told myself, if I don't have children in two years, then mm -hmm. I don't want to have children. I don't want to have, I don't want to be pregnant at 40. That shit's not cute unless you're a multimillionaire. And I'm not saying I'm not going to be a multimillionaire by 40, but like, I mean, come on, I got better things. I could, I could just use that money and do some other shit. Right. I don't want to be Janet Jackson laying in bed for nine months because I'm 50 with a fucking right. fetus. Right, right, right. So that's one reason. And second reason is now I definitely want to have any children until I see how this shit turns out, which is at least fucking four years right so then that means i'm 40 anyway right so therefore i'm just gonna be sponsoring kids in third world countries aka the um rust belt and, right. <laughs> and well like my mama always says she said baby you you, you you don't choose to be a parent so much as it's life's way of perpetuating itself through you you know what i mean and in many ways it's like you look at the history of black folks and, you know, I, I'm saying this to you now, you know, impending fatherhood, certainly within the next couple of years, I would yes. say for myself. But um, I look at just the awful conditions that some of our people was in, but we found a way to keep it going. So that, if okay, anything, motivates no, no. me to a degree. I, I hear what you're saying. To a degree, but only to a degree. I hear what you're saying. But it's still however, scary. however, I think that point of, of, first of all, I think in a black community, children have been seen as a more of a um 
what's the word more of a workforce mm-hmm. than like a spiritual experience right. well yeah certainly if you look at back in the day yes some of my people sharecropping and mm-hmm. it's like you know as soon as the kid could yeah. like carry you know a satchel then they were you know but kinda... i don't think for the most part i don't think that black people look at legacy the way white people look at legacy when it comes to their kids because mm-hmm. black people don't have generational wealth as much right they don't even like have wills they right. don't invest and saying, I mean, I'm not, let me not, I'm not generalizing, let me right. not generalize, but I'm just saying for the most part, we're, that's, that has not been a part of our family conversation. When mm-hmm. we come together, it's not like, hey, family, how are our stocks and bonds doing? Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, Nana died, I want the dining room table. Like, right. that is <laughs> right. pretty much the extent of it. And so I don't think that um, we've been taught to look at children as like a asset, as an asset. Yeah. It's like it's like oh shit I I'm having a kid especially now that you know you you have like single moms and all that stuff and mm-hmm. absentee dads mm-hmm. so I don't I think if it's in the right situation where it's like you know a union whether mm-hmm. you're married or not but you're coexisting in the same home and you, right. you decide to have children it's it's a thought that you've worked towards mm-hmm. and you set aside money for then of course that's mm-hmm. amazing but I think that that's the minority when it comes to our generation and. Below. Well, sometimes you know, I think to myself as well. There's there there's so many, far too many assholes in this world. Yes. And if I could do anything I can to produce a non-asshole, an amazing human being, then maybe I need to (laughs) to 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 fulfill my 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 obligation to furthering the you know the positive uh, people in this world. I just think about Oprah. Oprah doesn't have kids, and Oprah wouldn't be Oprah if she had kids. It's different from women. No, absolutely. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I absolutely hear you loud and clear. So Cyrus is engaged to be married. Do you have a date yet? May 20th. Of this year? Of this year. Shit. Uh That's around the corner. Right around the corner. I'm actually from here. I got to go get my size for for my ring. Oh my gosh, this is real. It's it's, it's official. It don't get get no realer than this. Are you getting married in New York? Prospect Park, bitch. Oh, that's nice. In In, in the boathouse. Oh, that's cute. And your wife isn't, she's not American. Well, she's your Scot- fiance. She's Scottish. Yeah, she's Scottish. Fiance is not. Yeah. She's Wait, Scottish. when did she get here? She got here about the same time as I got to New York, about 2014, 15 years ago almost. Okay. So, so she's, she's been here, like, you know, because she works. And so her job sponsored her visa. And she actually just got it, thank God, before all this Trump shit started rolling down the pike. Um, so yeah, she she actually doesn't need to marry me, but she wants to marry me because she already got her papers. <laughs> and I said when she told me she got that shit, I came home and her shit was still in the apartment. I was like, "You really do love me." Oh my, she ain't gonna get up and leave. She could have been out. Nah, that's it. She's good. She's yeah, locked she in. Good she good people. Have you been to Scotland to visit a few her times. family stuff? Yeah, a few times. Uh huh. Well, I lived in London for the better part of a year. This is before I moved to New York City, so I have a. A bit of a fondness uh, for the UK, a bit of an Anglophile. Um, so I love it out there because you know, folks, folks are just nice. Folks are just nice. It feels good to be around people who are genuine and kind and fun-loving and you know, high-spirited. Well, this is before like the ex- extremists came in and started like right. shooting shit up. Right. <laughs> but you also got to realize that over there, everywhere outside of America, people are genuinely content with their day-to-day lives and their jobs because mm-hmm. they're not 
because of capitalism, right. we become so defined by what we do for a living right. that we're constantly searching for something better. Right. And so whereas or we're, in, we're attributing value to to monetary and superficial yes. things in ways that, you know, other cultures don't seem to as much, I think. I no, it's a very much an American. Yeah. Thing more than and whereas if you go to other countries and they're like, I have been the host at this restaurant mm-hmm. for 45 years mm-hmm. and don't you dare try to tip me. It's insulting. But whereas here, it's like, oh, no, I need a new job. I need a new job. I need a right. new job. I need a new job. Oh, no, I don't want people that work in fast food restaurants to make $15 an hour because mm-hmm. I only make $18 an hour and I work right. at a security company. Like, right. it's, so it's always this. And it's the other thing that that's also stands out, especially, you know, at least speaking for the UK, is their social services. They pay much higher taxes. They also earned a lot more. Um, but their social services and, you know, their, their medical field and everything is such a, a cut above what United States uh, or what people in the United States are used to that, you know, you can have a great job and you can, you know, if you get sick, you're, you're not going to go broke if you get sick. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like they take care of their folks a yeah, little bit better. Because people are people because because doctors are OK making $80,000 a year. Right. And having a good life. Right. Versus making $270,000 a year working 80 hours a week mm-hmm. and, you know, and feeling like they are valued and having an insurance company that gets to dictate what in people do mm-hmm. and can't do. So, yeah, it's a different quality of life. And I feel mm-hmm. like to a certain point, like capitalism kind of has like corrupted people's ideas of what living is. Yep. And especially coming back from Cuba and being in a, a communist country, which is interesting because they don't say communism like like it's like a bad word they mm-hmm. won't say it out in public spaces mm-hmm. um and they have been taught for the past like 70 years that everybody's equal everybody makes the same amount of money in the same position um no one's better we're all cuban it's no race mm-hmm. this everybody it's like that's why it's this whole big national nationalism mm-hmm. and so the funny thing is like everybody talks about like oh well at least in cuba they have universal health care they have free health care and so they you know World-renowned healthcare. Well, this is and, the and thing. medical services from from you know. Yeah, but see, this is the thing now because influx health tourism has come in, especially now with the embargo being lifted. Mm-hmm. There is starting to become an economic shift in, amongst the Cuban people. So you have people who now have disposable income mm-hmm. and they're able to make more money than somebody else. So mm-hmm. now in Cuba, essentially, cab drivers make more than doctors mm-hmm. because a cab driver can charge a tourist a hundred dollars a day to take them around and right, give them a tour. Right, right, right. Right. And the average Cuban makes $20 a month. Interesting. So now you have people who have disposable income. And so that kind of jades the system a little bit because, mm. yes, they have universal health care, but it doesn't mean the care is good because mm-hmm. there's still people who can pay for better experiences. Interesting. Interesting. So the thing is, you will be seen by a doctor, mm-hmm. but you might not get medicine. <laughs> like you might not get a good diet you might not get the treatment that you need. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you may have cancer and you need treatment, but there are no beds available. And then that's when people start paying money to get on a list. So right. it is it still has its own issues. It's mm-hmm. not like you're walking into, you know, Mount Sinai Hospital in every single corner in Cuba. It's right. it's definitely, you know, cuz it's a poor it is a poor country. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because I thought about this before I went down there and in my mind, especially since we have such a big capitalistic society here, uh, apologies if you hear my dog snoring in the back. She's a <laughs> the monster. The dog is out. He's like, you niggas bore me. 
<laughs> it's funny like i'll be on the phone with people and they're like what is that noise and i'm like oh i think my dog is snoring she'll be across the room and uh, be like it's loud as shit and i'm like she's literally across the room i have no idea how to uh, hear it um but so when you are when you come from this country of excess and i mean mm-hmm. excess because it's funny because even the people who are talking about how poor they are mm-hmm. in this country and how much they want their jobs back mm-hmm. They still eat out at least two, three times a night. Oh, They're interesting. Going shopping. I mean, every every city that I've been in has a Walmart mm-hmm. or a mall. Mm-hmm. Walmart is open twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people are going in and buying in excess of their necessities. Mm-hmm. And so then when you turn around and like, we don't want Obamacare. It's too expensive. And I was like, yeah, but I just saw you buy four hundred dollars worth of fucking fruit snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, do you not understand? And, uh, you know, I remember when I remember when gas was really expensive here, and people were like gas is too expensive, and it was like, yeah, but you just bought Starbucks, and that is that right there. You buy that every day, mm-hmm. and that's more than you would pay for gas at this high price. Mm-hmm. Or you would pay you pay more for a gallon of milk than you do a gallon of gas, right. and the gas gets you further. Yeah, when it comes down to it, it's all relative. It's, it's but it's people, we don't have that. On, yeah, we don't have. Yeah. yeah, so we don't understand that in this country because yeah. everybody's like, well, I shouldn't. Everybody's like, I shouldn't have to sacrifice. Right. I shouldn't have to give up what I want. Well, see, that's one of the things that I love and, and appreciate about being an artist. And I'm, I don't know if you've ever had these realizations, you know, because you know people don't realize, you know, as a comedian you often struggle more than you don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you have to go without certain things and get used to going out without certain things. And so uh, that reality, you know, for many years struggling and, you know, placing a value on it's like, okay, am I going to do this? But if I do this, I can't do this. Um, It's sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's engendered in me this idea that, you know, what's really important you get done. What isn't important can sort of go by the wayside. And what's important is, you know, also from a personal level, witnessing a lot of people I know and care uh, care for, you know, pass away at, at young ages. Um, I know that I got my health, mm-hmm. and so as a human being in a, in, a, in a so-called first world society, whether I was a first world or third world, your health is your health, and if you've got that, then you certainly have more than than most people. Um, but then recognizing that, you know, I don't need to buy a certain thing to engender a feeling. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't need it was uh, Ben Franklin had this amazing quote, you know, it certainly, you know, it, it, it is dated if you look at it. But it's like, you know, if if all in the world were blind, but me, I wouldn't need a fancy cane and a fancy top coat and the monocle and all this other stuff. And it's like so much of what we do. Yes. We think it's for ourselves, but it's only really for the preening eyes of others, whether we are, you know, conscious or unconscious mm-hmm. of it. Um, and but so I don't, doing I don't that for we've been doing that for centuries. Yeah, that absolutely. And, yeah. you know, you know, we're still guilty of it to yeah. some to some capacity. Um, but I've learned, you know, from being, you know, you could say on the on the on the ground level as a, as an artist trying to make my way and not having, you know, disposable income that what's important, you focus more on and you get more out of life in that regard. And you sort of never cultivate a, a taste for the things that in many ways for at least, I'm speaking for myself, are, are superficial and don't really ultimately serve you. Yeah. So the shiny shit, the nice shit, yeah, whatever, but it's like, it's not what gets me up in the morning, you no. know? When you have a, and also, like, I consider myself, and certainly you in this regard, are, are more blessed with, we've got a passion and we've got a sort of, you know, a road that we're walking. And a lot of people, they don't, unfortunately, have a passion or any semblance of a purpose. And so in that regard, it sucks that they have replaced purpose with, the dope bag mm-hmm. from Fendi or what have you or the nice car. Um, but I wouldn't trade my purpose yeah. and me following my purpose in for any of the shiny shit in the world. Mm-hmm. I've, I've already made that <laughs> declaration and realization years ago. 
But see, a lot of people don't have, they don't have that experience. So they're mm-hmm. constantly searching for things. And I feel like they fill that hole with materialism. Because like the car is their comedy. The car, or, yeah, or, I mean, the, or the, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. you got to think about it. Like, it boggles my mind that every year car companies come out with new versions of the exact same car. Mm-hmm. And people will trade their car in every year and get Absolutely. the brand new At car. At a loss, even. At yeah, a just loss. to get the, the, the 2017 yeah. versus the 2016, yeah. right? Yeah, or you get a lease. You're leasing a car. And so it's like, well, where are those cars going? What mm-hmm. about the cars that don't get sold? Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's we have such an excess. Like, you drive by, you know, car dealerships, and there are hundreds of cars just lined up. Yeah. With, like... Where are they going? Yeah. No one's using them. So mm-hmm. why are you still charging people fifty, sixty, seventy thousand mm-hmm. for a car that you can't even sell? Yeah. But people are like, I still gotta get that car though. Yeah. Speaking of which, I wanted a Tesla, but now he's like all in bed with Donald Trump's so I don't think I'm gonna Did you see did Donald you see? Trump is like turning the lights on, the roaches are scattering. It's yeah. like, oh man, I didn't realize that that shit had something on it. Did you see, did you see uh the the CEO of Uber, how he snitched on everybody? So wait, I saw there was the whole boycott Uber thing, and that's because I felt like they were essentially scabs, and they went across the picket lines because all the New York cabs say well, basically it was too, said it was they were too not. Cold. So the first part with the Uber ban, Uber boycott was you know everybody's boycotting and everything. Uh, the first part with the Uber boycott was that he. Um, pretty much had told his company, like, yes, I'm working with Donald Trump. I'm mm-hmm. going to be on his advisory board for tech entrepreneurship or whatever. And so people were like, yeah, how could you do that? You have so many people who work for you mm-hmm. who come from other countries or who are Muslim or LGBT. Right. So you're working with somebody who's clearly publicly opposed to these people. Mm-hmm. So that was strike one. Strike two was during the initial day of the Muslim ban, the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission, the yellow cabs, decided that they were going to stand in solidarity with the people who had flocked to the airport and to were now stranded and in stranded. some regards, yeah. And the people who had come in to pro- protest in support of the people who were being detained by mm-hmm. this new impromptu executive order. Mm-hmm. And so they had uh, did a work stoppage for one hour for 6 to 7 p.m. There were no yellow cabs mm-hmm. available at JFK Airport. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Uber sends out an alert like, hey, right now, if you use us, you get a 30%, the good, the good, yeah. 30% discount. Uh-huh. So now everybody was like, Uber, you're dead to me. Right. And so then he released a statement being like, when um, Donald Trump asks me and Disney and he names and the head of Disney and the head of IBM and the head of Tesla and the head of Pepsi to be on his advisory board. I took it with like such great esteem. So he's dry snitched on everybody like, oh, y'all want to boycott me? You better boycott, you better boycott Pepsi, Mickey Mouse and ABC Frito-Lay, and Disney and all these. IBM. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So now people are like, well, damn, that's a lot of shit to boycott. That's a lot of shit to boycott. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at Uber and then the business Starbucks. I know, right? Because you know, yeah, Pepsi yeah, owns Gatorade. Yeah. You know, I'd be thirsty after my yeah, workouts. Yeah, I, mean, I don't drink Gatorade yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. I think there's such an uh, amazing, you know, uh, spirit to it. It'd be so easy if we, just, if we just had to boycott buses like how they did in uh, Montgomery bus. <laughs> in, in 1955. Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think that but it, it, the spirit of it all is, you know, and also coming back from the, the, women, the Women's March, the the week before the spirit of it all you got folks in this country who are on the same page and i love seeing something like that where you know you can really affect change by as we're coming back full circle to talk about capitalism when you withhold your dollars that speaks more than than often your voice yeah and it's in this society in this economy 
Um, oh, that's I thought it was so righteous though. So where does it stand now? The whole the whole Uber boycott. People are deleting it and they are instead downloading Lyft. But now they're saying that um, the venture capitalist, what's his name? Icon, Icon, Steve Icon, yeah, his Icon boy, his boy is he's an investor and in Lyft. So it's like, well, then you're helping. And then then somebody was like, yeah, but he's a venture capitalist. He has money and everything. You're gonna be homeless in a box if you try not to give mm-hmm. him any money. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are saying Lyft will be better, but. Uh, I don't necessarily use Uber. I mean, cause well, I'm hoping that they 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 uh, uh, felt enough of a. Oh no, they definitely did. From, but from he's that not initial th- protest. See, this is the thing. This is the thing about um, white solidarity. They don't care how wrong you are. Mm-hmm. They're not going to miss out on an opportunity to make money. Mm. So they will never stand down and be like, I would never do any business with Donald Trump. They don't listen. They're like, I'd rather be in because they know somebody else is going to do mm-hmm. it. So he's not going to step down from working with Donald Trump because he knows that he can get money. Right. right. So that's the downside. It's like you. Well, that's why you got to love somebody like the Starbucks CEO. And his story is actually fascinating. I saw him on sixty Minutes. Like he came up in the broke, a broken household. His parents broke up. His father like was was like in many ways an invalid for many years. And so he he struggled. Um, he seems to be, and you know, I, I think Bill Gates certainly to another another degree. Who he's certainly beyond reproach. You see certain people who are conscientious. They are titans of industry. They're mm-hmm. these amazingly successful businessmen, but they also operate with a sense of of, of consciousness. And it's wonderful when you see that because oftentimes when you think about business and it's the nature of, of business and profits and margins and bottom lines that a lot of people will will sacrifice their integrity for yeah. profit. And that's like I, I'd like to think that they're businessmen, you know, even though we know the whole thing is, OK, I got to get more money than the next man. That's how you win the capitalist game. Um, I'd like to think that there's some people who operate with a semblance of integrity and say, you know what? I don't I think I'm already gonna, got yeah. a lot of wealth. Like I, I can I can stand on this and, like and be Warren OK. Buffett. Warren Buffett was like, no, I'm good. I don't need to do nothing else. Mm. Like I don't need to make he like he does it because he enjoys it. Warren right. Buffett loves and he enjoys investing and making money and working stocks and all that shit. But mm. he's like, I know I make a lot of money. I'm, I don't have nothing to prove. Mm. But it's interesting because then you look at like the Koch brothers who are using their money to mm-hmm. fund all of these political campaigns. Mm-hmm. Well, they also, funny you should mention, I was just reading an article yesterday, they are not oh, impressed not with happy. your boy Trump because they basically held out of this election, yeah. you know, because they, 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 they could have yeah. had their own Manchurian candidate. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how all these chips fall because he certainly uh, backed himself in somewhat of a corner and he has alienated Democrats and he's pretty much, you know, alienated a, a good deal of Republicans. So, We'll see if, you know, folks actually stand the fuck up and I know. It's, say it's, no. Well, you got to, this is the thing is you, I, if you are not a pro, I am not a in the streets protesting person for a couple reasons. One, I'm never home. <laughs> like I wasn't here for the women's march and yeah. I was like, actually, I spent the whole day having to travel and having to drive from one airport to another state to catch another flight. My flight, I can't. So like I wasn't here and I would have loved to go. Right. And two, I'm really... I'm really not a crowd person. Like yeah. I really cannot function yeah. in that amount of mass of yeah. people, but I do other things. And yeah. so I don't want people to listen and be like, well, you I'm also not have a protest. platform and you use your platform yes. as well, which is, you know, I, I've often had to point out in, in my comedy, certainly more than ever, but that's the question I wanted to ask you. So, mm-hmm. You find yourself, you know, you do a lot more of, you know, the the non tri state area. I'm I'm pretty much New York, yeah. New Jersey, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting a lot a lot of like minded people. Have you done any political humor in yeah. a caustic area and sort of like got a got a reaction? I was like, um, oh, I'm- I do political humor, but now I'm realizing that um, now his name alone is is so toxic. Mm-hmm. 
and the people who don't like him become very vocal about it when you once you say his name mm-hmm. when you if I'm on stage and I say Trump you automatically are gonna gonna get a visceral reaction from those who hate him mm-hmm. and you're gonna get silence from those who support him mm-hmm. and you may get a big woo yeah from like some silly person who like adores the man mm-hmm. and so that splits the audience which makes it harder for them to sit in unison for the rest of my show mm-hmm. so now I don't say his name but I just talk about things that happen mm-hmm. without saying interesting his name interesting approach um and and it works a lot better because it's still so raw for you know it's still oh, yeah. too raw for people oh yeah it's, to, it's he's the most polarizing figure yeah. in american politics ever they say obama was polarizing but that was off of some bullshit trump is by his words and actions yeah. he's polarized the electorate yeah and the other thing is i try not to i never want to make people feel bad about voting for who they voted for it's mm-hmm. not my place to like i wouldn't want somebody telling me you're so you're stupid for voting for obama mm-hmm. so i don't attack people for who they voted for because i do believe that that is your right as a citizen uh, of this country to vote for whoever you want right. to but you do need to at least be open to the hypocrisy and the people who are being victimized as a result of this person being in yes. office so i talked i speak to those things yeah you know like it's so crazy how x y and z is happening like you can't say that it's not crazy that they handcuffed a four-year-old girl and her family when they landed here mm-hmm. from from overseas mm-hmm. so like that's absurd yeah that's absurd. So the I, I I tackled the absurdity of it all because I feel like most people can agree that yeah it's a little bit excessive, mm-hmm. and most people are like yeah I know you're right, but you know I voted for him because he said he was gonna get me this. So you know like I'm like well he came to your house and he made a promise like what mm-hmm. what did he tell you to your face that you're like he whispers uh, sweet yeah. nothing's in your ear come you on know, now. like this whole this whole thing reminds me there's this um a real life story. And it speaks to how stupid people are and how they just will do whatever they feel they need to do. Malleable minds. And it's a true story of a young girl who worked at a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. And someone pranked called the office of that restaurant Mm -hmm. and talked to the manager and was like, you have a young girl on the register and we suspect that she's done X, Y, and Z. You need to bring her in and you need to like strip search her. And the manager did and held this girl in the office for like four or five hours, like pretty much sexually assaulted Are you her. Serious? It was all caught on the camera. And this was all a prank. It was a prank. And wow. it ended up making a movie about it called Compliance. And wow. the manager didn't really get he didn't get arrested. They couldn't find a person who made a phone call. Right. The girl was sexually assaulted and naked. Like and it was a female uh, manager who kept coming in and out of the office, just ignoring the fact that this girl is butt ass naked crouched down in the corner because his manager I I did hear about this right yeah was right. like doing all this crazy shit to her because someone on the phone was like we're from corporate and you need to do this to this girl right. spanking her and shit like right. it is nauseating and i feel like that is where we are in this country you just have these people who are just listening to whoever well, the whole they shit think with the hillary clinton running a child sex ring out of a pizza I, place it's I like well, no how idea. the fuck did that yeah lie even get legs it's like it's like they say like the, the uh, a lie will spread around the world before yeah. the truth can even get out of bed it's it's heartbreaking a little bit to realize just how um unintelligent people are I well it's easy people well you know it, it actually it, it does come from it comes from a lack of education <laughs> it comes from a lack of critical thinking it comes Life from experience. a desire or yeah uh people stressing the needs for critical thinking um they often make fun and poke fun at the at this northeast bubble that we seem to be in, but we are certainly you know privy to a lot more information it seems than the people who are in small rural rust belt bubbles. And also, I see in in, in the northeast people or the west, or if you will, or the north or whatever, more so of a willingness to read and to 
question information that we get, whereas I don't see that sort of um, discrimination being, you know, exercised yeah. down south. And it's interesting because, you know, Washington State is Washington State is an anomaly because they're in a very liberal coastal part of the country. Mm-hmm. But that state has had so many instances of violence. You know, there was a protester who was shot mm-hmm. on a college campus. Oh, there's a, a lot of white nationalists yeah. in the in the Pacific Northwest. Don't yeah. don't don't get oh, it twisted in Oregon listen, and in Washington State and Idaho for that matter. It's O D. Like I oh, yeah. performed at a university in um, Washington but it wasn't Seattle. It was more inland. And I arrived to campus and they legit had seven churches of different faiths on the campus. Mm. Right. And then I'm doing the show and I'm talking to the students and then they're like, Oh no, we're married. And I'm like, well, how old are you? They're like, Oh no, we're 18. We just got married. And the parents are like, it's this whole world of like this super religious sphere and they're super um, patriotic and Mm -hmm. just believe. And so you, you're like, well, it's not just the middle of the country in the South. Like, it's right. all over the place. Yeah, People live in their bubbles. They, they really do. And I I think the saddest thing is you see a lot of folks who they've passed judgment and cast aspersions on a, a wide swath of humanity and they've never even ventured out of their, yeah. their immediate area. I can at least say, you know, I've been to Australia. I've been yeah. to Europe. I'm about to go to Asia. Like, I've seen a bit of the world. So, you know. We need to bring back um, Wife Swap. Could you imagine in this day and age they they mixed up a black family with like a Trump family? Oh my goodness! Do you remember the show that Ice Cube had where he made a white family black and a black family white? I do not remember that. There was a show that was on FX. This is before FX became like Atlanta and all the hot shit. It was uh-huh. a show. Um, Ice Cube had a show where he made a, a black family white and a white family black, like with prosthetics and no makeup way. and shit. Yeah. Interesting. It's like mm-hmm. that old Eddie Murphy. And sketch. of course, at the end, the white family is crying like, we had no idea. <laughs> we had no it idea. was so bad. I was so sorry. It's nuts. It's crazy. How big is your wedding party? I'm, I'm interested to see. How big is your wedding party? Uh, We're going to be about 90 to 100, I think. So we've oh. got like, um, like 40-something folks coming from Scotland. Wow. People, yep kilts in the in the whole shebang oh my god and we got a bunch of black folks coming from st louis which is my mom's from so my mm. grandmother and all my aunts live there and a couple of my sister and some other people in boston and i got some other people from atlanta and north carolina so we're gonna everyone's coming so do way. you think do you think that you you get a pass because you have like an um authentic white person as, I, as I call a, it the blueprint, the blueprint, as opposed to one of these, yeah, yeah. these fucking photocopies from Jersey or Pennsylvania. Do you think? Do you think that makes any difference in in her philosophy or or the? Fact I that think that well, they she's met my family num- on numerous occasions now. Like she was at my grandmother's 80th and my mom's 60th, and you know she basically has been there for me in some really rough shit. Like you know, you remember a few years ago, I got I got hit by a car, mm-hmm. and she literally nursed me back to health. And that was when we first started uh, seeing each other. So we kind of like fell fast and deep in love based on some extenuating circumstances. Um, And she's just good people. As my mother said, you know, I remember feeling a bit bashful about, you know, uh, introducing her to my mom. But I was also fucked up after this car accident. So I guess I didn't have too much inner monologue. Uh, (laughs) um, But my mother, you know, to her eternal credit, my mother's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, or ever known rather she said you know i come from the tribe of good people mm-hmm. you know and leanne's good people you know there's a lot of black folks saying in my tribe it's yeah white folks saying in my tribe yeah. i come from the tribe of good people and she good people mm-hmm. so i think in that regard her 
her yeah. reputation was was cemented with the family and my grandmother and everybody they, they just love her good so yeah good i think it's interesting because i feel like you know now with this realization that the woman uh who said emmett till yes. did all that, that shit, article and then fucked me up big she time. lied about it yeah. which is all it, which is all it takes oh of course how many how many lies you know have resulted in, 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 in murder of oh yeah of color in this country oh, oh yeah. he looked at me she looked at me she sassed me she she tried to touch me and yeah. then you, you tar- literally literally tarred yeah. and feathered yeah not seen before a judge not a jury yeah. there's never been a jury of your peers just mm. you're gone you are gone they're so coming this, to your house and, and she's still alive 82 years old and same hiding. age as my grandmother and hiding because yeah. her family was like her life her life has been has been ruined by this this yeah. story and it's like okay, as opposed to yeah. the life that she actually literally ruined yeah um, when she fucking made that false 14 year old boy claim. if you don't know Emmett Till he was murdered um in money tortured, Mississippi tortured, tortured and, and murdered, murdered at 1955 in 19 he was 14 years, 14 years old, old visiting from Chicago his family in the south and this white woman accused him of trying to kiss her or or come on to her making advances making advances yeah. which is so vague and he was her husband the woman's husband and brother-in-law tracked him down three days later abducted him from his his uncle's house kidnapped him killed tortured him tortured him killed killed him him and threw him in the river yes and they found his bloated body and then his mother even at that time because i went to the national museum of african-american history and they Mm -hmm. have his coffin there that they exhumed out and they have a private room and they have his coffin and they like kind of refurbished it a little bit Mm -hmm. and so they have quotes and they have videos of the time and in the quote from his mom was like you know i got out of the south i was in chicago i didn't even think it was still that bad i would have never sent him back if i had known that it was still going on like that and this is in the 50s and she thought that the shit had been not post-racial but at least made great strides Mm -hmm. and so I feel like now that is a link. That is always a link. I think that's the most lingering thing that black women keep in mind when mm-hmm. they see black men with white women. Right. I don't think black men keep that as much in mind no. when they hear the criticism of why they're with a white woman. Right. I don't. I personally don't have a criticism. I don't really don't care. Mm-hmm. But and I'm seeing enough, especially in New York. I'm seeing so many sisters with, with white guys now. It's almost like. I see more. I see more interracial couples. It seems in Brooklyn than I see, you know, because black now, couples or white because couples. You, I don't know if you know this. There was a meeting about twelve years ago. And oh, did you all, guys? You know, it was sponsored by Essence, and did a memo. They were like, "Black it. women is now okay <laughs> to get you some of that white peen," and we have been, you know, hopping on it ever since. No, uh, no, I have not had white peen in my life in interesting a long time. Um, no, it was like once, but we've talked about this so many times before. But um, I think now, I think now. I think that wi- I think black women were yeah. afraid of the letting down the culture by right. going out with right. a white guy. I don't think that black men had that same like pressure on right. themselves. Well, we also I, I mean, in generations past society, certainly American society was far more segregated than it is now. Mm-hmm. It's still certainly segregated, you know, certain cities more than others. New York is a bit of an anomaly in that regard because everybody is sort of chills with everybody yeah. in New York. Um, but look at the global world we're living in now you also look at technology and so the world is a lot smaller than it ever was before mm-hmm. so a lot of the misconceptions that used to you know get feet and legs and you know yeah. people's minds would just get ahead of them with, with nonsense now you sort of there's so many mitigating factors it's like no black folks white folks we are and yeah. we, we and, i mean not to sound utopian but we are the same but like more so than anything now we see that we are the same yeah in ways that we, we are never did we're definitely the same. i mean don't get it twisted there are some white women who do be preying on black guys and you know if that's a thing, I've never I've never been privy to it. Well, I'm not praying, not praying, but I do feel like you know what it is? Okay, let me I wanna say. Well this you saw that clear. shit that happened with Che, right? 
Yes. With the with the girl. My mother actually sent the article saying, This is the shit that I don't like. My yeah, mother yeah. actually commented on that. Yeah. So on Twitter. Uh, yeah. So so Michael Che from SNL, he had this experience where he was on a, a dating app, mm-hmm. met this white woman. Mm-hmm. They exchanged sporadic, like over months. Right. Not like not excessive, but here or there text exchanges. Right. And then she goes on a podcast and was like, Michael Che's an asshole. He hates women. And they were like, why? And she's like, because he's an asshole. You know, like, you know, yeah. her little princess thing. Yeah. And so he had the receipts and he shared it with page six and mm-hmm. basically. Put he her did, shit on blast. Put her shit on blast. He yeah. never said anything nasty. He never said anything sexual to her. Yep. He was pretty much like, yeah, I'm not really interested in talking to you, but you keep texting me. Right. So I don't know. She provided she, alternative facts and he yeah. provided the, the yeah. real facts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I think that it that is an issue that I, I have seen where it's mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily think it's, I don't necessarily think that white women do that because it's a black person. But I think that white women do that because they just come from a, a place a sense of, of entitlement of entitlement and privilege. And they just used to never. Well, interestingly no. that you hit on that, that on that note, because my mother and the one few conversations that, that I, I do recall from childhood, because I went to school in the suburbs. So I went to, I lived in the inner city of Boston and I went to school in the suburbs of Boston. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that she sort of tried to impress upon me. It was like, you know, don't, get too comfortable with them folks out there. This is always say them crazy ass white boys out there. Yeah. Cause if you get in trouble, ain't anybody gonna be able to come get your black ass. That was one of her big speeches. But then also especially with the girls, and I think the sense that the legacy of, you know, Mm-hmm. fuckery yeah. that goes down you know and, and he said she said moments and there's a few cautionary tales of guys I knew who got caught up in you know assault cases quote unquote because yeah. it was her word against his mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who was right or wrong it just became the dynamics became she was victimized yeah. she's saying she was victimized whether she was or not and you pretty much are assumed to have been the victim yeah the victimizer. Yeah. And um, so that's what, that's so what my I mother mean. was like, it's, that was one of the biggest speeches. I'm sure every tough. black mother gives her son that yeah. speech. Like, don't get, if you're in a situation, don't, don't get too comfortable mm-hmm. thinking that you could just mess around with anybody or don't even try to like, don't, don't put yourself in these situations, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's just real. It is really real. That's just really, really real. real. A lot and of cats so. fucking, their future straight up ruined because, you know, yeah. far be it for us to determine what actually happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the cases where we are, we talk about the Emmett Tills of the world where nothing really did happen, but it was this woman's word against this guy's. People's lives have been ruined, literally and figuratively yeah. so, in terms of like, okay, now I'm a, I'm a registered sex offender or something. Yeah. And, and the thing is, and the thing is that I felt like we we were getting to the point where we, we could be past that, but now that racism and this idea of supremacy, supremacy and nationalism has reared its ugly head, mm-hmm. you, look, you have to re-look at people who you thought were cool right. and be like, because, you know, for them, it's like yeah we're cool but i'm still gonna ride with my people first right i'm gonna ride for my success and my community first right which anybody would do realistically Mm -hmm. but i think that there's a such thing as pride and then it's another thing as oppression and i think a lot of times that you know the white majority feels as though the only way for them to have pride is to oppress whereas black people have pride and we are oppressed exactly in spite of exactly all of that that's why the trump shit you know as awful as it is you know it's certainly the worst that we've seen in, in a politician um, but that's where we've been through so much as a people. That's yeah. why I love the, the speaking about Jay and I said the SNL sketch, you know, on election night with Chris Rock and Chappelle, how they just sort of poke fun at it. Yeah. It's like, oh, y'all are really scared. Like yeah. this, you know, think how we feel. You we've know, been same. telling y'all, we've been telling you this shit is fucked up. You, know, you don't pay attention. The sun will come out tomorrow. It, it, it's all right. <laughs> Cyrus McQueen, we've come to this point of the show. Can you please tell us what makes you a social misfit? What makes me a social misfit? Uh, 
I guess I I I I I I seek out truth. I find it. I I roll around with it, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Good. I guess that makes me social bit, but I don't give a shit. You don't give a I don't fuck. Give a shit. I, I speak. I speak the truth, and the truth speaks through me. Yeah. And if um, it's a very freeing moment when you realize that you will get further along if you're true to yourself instead of trying to impress other people, and the right people will come to you as a result of that. Right. Like I say, yeah, and if you got it in you, like, you know, if you got a song to sing, ain't nobody going to make you shut the fuck up. No. Mama, I got to sing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's one of the it's a terrible plays. It's a terrible black play. Mama, I got, Mama, I want to sing. What's all those OBET ones and everything like that? Like the like the from the Hey Love commercial. Oh yeah, I'm coming up mm, 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 <laughs> on the rough side mm, mm, mm. That's of all, the that's mountain. The only part I know of that song. <laughs> I've only known the songs that that are shown in that. I never knew the full chorus. I don't know verse two. I'm a mess. We should we well we might have to start remembering some um, old Negro spirituals to get through Hell these next yeah. few years. If it worked for them, it could work for us, right? Motherfuckers, <laughs> professional black folks in the bay coming. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, my God, listen, I'm going to write you up in HR. You keep fucking humming. And we have people online. In the water. Why is she talking about water waiting? I just want my latte. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cyrus. It's been a pleasure. It I appreciate been. you coming out. Let me know when your wedding is so I can ride my bike past you in the bagpipes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. we Brooklyn, man. We're keeping it local. I wanna, I'm going to come and um, take a selfie with your bridal party. <laughs> it's going to be good times. It's going to be It'll good be times. Fun. I'm dead serious. I will like, oh, okay, Cyrus is getting married. I'm going to ride my bike around and be like, <laughs> snapshot, take some pictures, and then keep going. Well, better you than the crackheads, because I said, you know, we in the park, so we're going to have all sorts of elements out there. Oh, yeah. We're going to have the crackhead at the chessboard table and everything. Y'all are so beautiful. Look at y'all. Y'all, they over there in skirts, y'all. They over there with green skirts on. (laughs) I hear them. What's in the back? What the man wearing a damn skirt blowing on them, too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at them. I just came out here to get some sun. Thank you so much, Cyrus. Let us know where we can follow you. Where can we see your... your well, follow um, me on Twitter. Hit yes. the nigga up. At Cyrus M. McQueen. C-Y-R-U-S-M-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll um, be up in Harlem this weekend doing my Harlem show. You always catch me at Broadway Comedy Club or Greenwich Comedy Club and all sorts of random bars in Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> Check him out. Super funny guy. He's really tall. He's taller than me. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care.